Welcome back to the Cami Mar Show. Today I have two special guests with me, Lori and Morgan Colbert. Hey. Hi. <laughs> so today we're going to kind of do a deep dive. Um, this is going to mainly feature Morgan, but we're really glad that Lori came too because she is going to give some insight on the situation because Morgan was so young at the time of this happening. I don't want to give away the spoiler alert. <laughs> so let's go ahead. I want to start from the very beginning. Morgan, yeah, let's start there. So the very beginning. So just how we found out and everything. Yes. Okay. And kind of say what it is too, because we haven't even told the listener oh. yet. Oh, yes. We all know. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. I was 12 years old when I got diagnosed. Um, and so how we found that it was kind of a long journey. Um, I had noticed a little bit of stuff with my vision, just like reading books. And like at one point it was um, in math class, we were like taking something from a calculator to a dry erase board and I had missed like part of the first number. And so just made all these mental little notes and then I went to the eye doctor and I was good. I had 20-20 vision and I was like, hey, before I go, I just want to tell you about something that's been going on. And, and I told her and she was like, oh my gosh, sit back down. I was like, oh, okay. So um, I ended up doing the peripheral test and a couple of those actually. And she was like, mm, I'm not really liking that. Let's, let's do some more. Um, and I was like, okay. So I came back probably. Keep in mind, this was on Friday the 13th. No, no, uh, no, no. My MRI was on Friday the 13th. I promise. I promise. <laughs> she just didn't believe me. We have different recollections. <laughs> um, Either way, something was on Friday the 13th. The MRI that showed it was Friday the 13th. Okay. And then they called us the 16th because it was a Friday and they called us on Monday. I promise. Um, so anyway, um, but it was, you don't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so we just had to do a couple tests and, um, after the peripheral test didn't come back, she ordered an MRI, which was on Friday the 13th. And that's why I always remember it because, you know, everyone's like, Ooh, spooky. Well, that's very spooky. Right. Yeah. It was. And I'm still not really superstitious. It's most a jump people, scare for sure. <laughs> most people would be like, well, I probably would be after that, but you know, whatever. Um, so then they did the MRI and I was actually running a track meet on the 16th, which was the Monday after, and mom and dad got me off the bus, and they were like, we're going to St. Louis, and I was like, okay. Can I interject here just a minute? Because I had been to the doctor in St. Louis on that Monday, and we were coming back, we were driving back, and I got the phone call, and they said, there's something on her MRI, we don't like it, and it was her primary doctor that Mm -hmm. called at that point. And said, we've called and they're waiting for you at St. Louis as soon as you can get there. They want to run their own tests. And that trip from, I think it was like Nashville, Illinois, Mm -hmm. is kind of where we were when I got the phone call. That drive from there to Harrisburg was the longest drive because I didn't know what we were looking at. I know that they don't ever call you like that and that are that urgent about getting a specialist appointment Absolutely. Unless it's something really major, serious. Major. Yeah. So I remember Keith and I had to discuss on the way home is like, how are we going to approach this? Because we didn't want to scare her. She's mm-hmm. 12 mm-hmm. and she's living her life. You know, I mean, yeah, she went to the doctor and she had an MRI, but we still didn't want to freak her out. And I just remember that gut wrenching feeling of, I hope I don't mess this up and freak her out because I could just see her being a bundle of Uh, of chaos all the way for the two and a half hour drive back and so that's we were like we're just we don't know what's going on yet so we're just gonna play it cool we're not gonna jump to conclusions we're just gonna get her and just try to get home get a quick bag packed we don't know what we're looking at but we're gonna pack something just in case and we'll see what happens and that's the way it was she was just like why do we have to go tonight why do we have to go now I'm tired I just ran a track meet. I want to go home and go to bed. And I'm like, we just need to have some things checked out. Mm-hmm. It's all good. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And so where was Michaela? Did she go with you guys? Michaela did not. At that point, Michaela was 15. So she stayed with some friends, friends. of ours. She would have been 14. And, almost 15. Yeah. And um, she. Wait, 
No, I was 13. I was 13. I'm sorry, I lied to you. I was 13. You were 13? Okay. Yeah. Michaela so then was 15. And Michaela was 15. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm so so sorry. she stayed with some friends of ours. And again, we didn't want to scare her because, you know. Well, first of all, you don't we even don't know, know what it we is. We don't know yeah. what it is. Yeah. And, you know, we don't want to call it something that it's not and just, you know, create magnify panic. that mm-hmm. and cre- yeah, create panic. Not even just in my own self, but in them as well. And um, so she stayed with some friends of ours. And tried to keep things as, because it was a Monday. So she's got like the whole school week. The whole school week we don't yeah. know. So we're just going to keep touching base and she's going to still go to softball and she's still going to go to practice and we're just going to keep keep in touch. <clears throat> so, yeah. So she was kind of like Morgan at that point. She was still kind of in the dark mm-hmm. about it until um, we had something to to tell it something to call it yeah so you guys go to st louis and then what happens next what other tests did they run on you there oh my gosh they did so many everything um probably some i don't even remember i know they did a ct scan i know they did another mri lots of blood work um towards the end they did a spinal tap which was ugh, it was not fun not a fun experience um i feel like they did some other stuff too those are the ones I can Those were remember. the major. They did a lot of vision tests because mm-hmm. they had like a, I don't even remember what the doctor, what kind of doctor, ophthalmologist, optometrist, op, uh, some big yeah. <laughs> ologist mm-hmm. word that does with your eyes to come in and do different kinds of um, like vision tests, like having her, you know, see how she was tracking and things like that. And um, at that point, they were kind of talking that, you know, and we had, I will say, we had excellent, mm-hmm. and I, if I could somehow put that in all caps mm-hmm. across the board, doctors, nurses, the nurses, some of the nurses we we still follow on Instagram and yeah. Facebook, yeah, <clears throat> Snapchat, and um, because they were they were fabulous, but um, they were talking that you know there's um, a mass on her optic nerve. So that's why the, the eye doctors, because that's, you know, that's the... And mass is the nice word for... That's, I think that's just what they call it when they don't know how big it is, gotcha. how deep it is. If it's cancerous, if it's, if cancerous, it's not. If it's, okay, not. Gotcha. it's kind of like the general, um, in, my, in my opinion, yeah. that's how they used it. It was just like, this is the vague word that we're going to call mm-hmm. it until we know more no specifics. More. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got more imaging, more tests done, and then how long did it take to get a diagnosis? <laughs> So that was the 16th that we went up there, and then I was scheduled to have brain surgery, um, I think, on the 25th, and then they actually canceled that. We were on our way, and they were like, another one has come in that was urgent, like, yeah. urgent, and so then we ended up going the next day, and so it was like 10 days from the time that we went up there to my brain surgery. From the time that we get a call that says, we want to have some further imaging done to, you're Your going in surgery. for brain surgery, mm-hmm. was 10 days. So how did you break the news to Morgan, or did they break it to her? Actually, that was the thing. She was at that age where they kind of, they pretty much just had us all in the same room. Mm-hmm. And the, I remember the, the neurologist who, shout out to Amazing. Dr. Limbrick, love him yes. at Children's. <clears throat> he, um, he asked us, he said when he got the test results back and wanted to meet with us, and he was like, do you want me to discuss this with you all together mm-hmm. or do you want it to talk privately and I was like this affects her this is her body and she needs to know what's going on and I don't want to get it wrong right. when I tell her mm-hmm. so I want you to tell all of us and then we'll process it and we'll ask questions if we come up and he was like I'm perfectly fine with that and he sat us down and I remember he was just like okay this is what we're going to do We've, you've got this mass, and it's right next to your pituitary gland, which can cause some different things, possibly. Mm-hmm. We don't know. And he starts going down this list. First of all, he said, you know, it's the extensive surgery. It's nine hours, and we are going to cut open your skull, and we are going to go in and very carefully with the little camera and everything mm-hmm. on there, going to try to remove as much of this as we can. And we're going to biopsy it. And he said, because of its location, 
there are several things that we have to just throw out there. He said, obviously, the first one is you could die. Mm-hmm. It's we're in your brain. You could die. The next one is, you know, it's near your pituitary gland. It could cause you to, you know, gain weight. It mm-hmm. could cause you to lose weight. It could cause you to have issues later on in life. You might possibly not be able to have children. You may have, mm-hmm. you know, other kind of issues that come up regarding your pituitary. It could slow your growth. It could just all these all things. All the side effects, all, risks, just, everything. A, it, it was like a, a laundry list of things like the pharmaceutical commercials on TV. Yes. That, you know may cause you know and then yeah and he kind of put it all out there and he said I'm going to give you a minute if you have any questions and we were just like that's a lot to process yeah and then he he said well if you have any questions he said I'm going to walk out for a little bit I'll let you talk about it and if you come up with any questions I'm I'll come right back in and we'll we'll address them so he walks out the door (laughs) and she's laughing because she knows what I'm going to say he walks out keep in mind she's 13 Okay, and she looks at me, and I said, "Well, what do you think? What do you or what do you want to talk about?" And she said, "I don't want to get fat." <laughs> and I looked at her, which, in my defense, like I was going through an eating disorder at this point, and I really didn't know it. So, right? I mean, I feel like but now it makes sense. Time, at the same time, as a parent, all I heard was the number one: Death. you could die. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's and I, not that I quit listening at that point. And but as a thirteen-year-old girl, all she heard was fat. Yes, right. mm-hmm. yes, I and can so, wait. Yeah, and I remember thinking, really, mm-hmm. that's all you're concerned about. And she was like, "Yeah, mom, it'll be fine. It'll be fine." Which, like, looking now, like, I feel like that was probably the last moment where I was actually able to be like a normal teenager, though, because like from that point on, like. I was no longer worried about like, oh, do I have a boyfriend, my hair? Like mm-hmm. I was more worried about like surviving and getting through this. And so like, I, it's kind of crazy to like think back because I really do think that that was like the last moment where I was like truly like a teenager. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a new teenager. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were still a teenager, but right. you did not have normal teenage worries no, no. after Nothing. that. Well, and not a normal teenage life. Not a normal life period no, at no. any age now. Um, so then you have surgery in 10 days. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what, I mean, what was your mental, both of you, I'm asking this to both. What was your mental like in those 10 days leading up to? I definitely, looking back now, I know that there was a lot more stress on my body because after the spinal tap, I remember getting sick. We had to go to mom's doctor's appointment and I had to go with her because mom didn't want to leave me alone after all the stuff that I'd found out, which yeah. I became, that was the moment. If I wasn't already, I became a helicopter mom. Well, yeah, well, I would not be leaving her alone now still. And well, well and I was recovering from a <laughs> spinal tap too. So yeah. like I needed a little bit of supervision. Um, and I ended up getting sick on the car ride like three or four times. And I, it could have been from the spinal tap. I don't know, but I think it was probably stress. And like, I didn't know that it was stress. Like, mm-hmm. cause that was probably the first time in my life where Like, I really don't think that I had a lot of, like, I had normal anxiety, but, like, I didn't have crazy anxiety. Like, that was probably the first moment where I was like, oh, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Like, my life is really about to change, and I have 10 days to, like, accept this. So, I think that was probably the first moment where I, I now can recognize it as stress, like, doing what I do and everything, but at that point, I was just like, oh, it's probably the spinal tap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah. So, what about you, Lori? What, What were you going through? I was, I was all over the place, but honestly, I mean, no, no parent ever wants to watch their child go through something like this. No. I mean, I, I've always struggled with a little bit of like control issues in my own life. Mm -hmm. And I think when I have kids, you know, you want to protect and you want to shield and you want to nurture and that just was amplified into overdrive into overdrive but there was nothing absolutely nothing I could do except pray Mm -hmm. and I really I spent a lot of time journaling I would get up very very early in the morning before I was doing you know daily stuff just Mm -hmm. for those next 10 days and I so much of it became then too once word got out because it was like towards the end of school. Yeah. yeah. It was my eighth grade year. Or eighth so grade a lot year. Of so big stuff was going on. A lot of stuff going on. And you know, the the town was wonderful about like her teachers and students yeah. rallying around her and mm-hmm. not knowing what was going on and and but then that also became like 
people blowing up our phones all the time wanting mm-hmm. to know what was going on and I got to the point where I just couldn't even I couldn't even answer phone text messages like I I didn't want to talk about it anymore I mm-hmm. didn't I wanted to I wanted to take and just pull everybody all my people into a bubble and just not shut everything else out everything mm-hmm. everything and so in, I wasn't obviously able to do that but the only way I could deal with that was I journaled I would get up every morning at like 5 30 I would journal and journal until it was time for them to get up to get ready for school do you still stuff. have those journals somewhere yeah somewhere um but it, the thing is it's like it was more for me like that was the only thing that I could that I could control at that mm-hmm. point and um we had a, an amazing group of people that from the church that surrounded her and came to the house and prayed over her before we left and and just and went to and went, went to St. Louis went with to us. St. Louis yeah. and set. I mean, I had a really awesome, wonderful friend that took off work. <laughs> you know, her. you might know her <laughs> <laughs> um, that took off work and came to do nothing but just to sit with mm-hmm. me. For nine hours. I mean, and our pastor our and pastor his wife came and, and his wife. And which they've always they been more came, like grandparents yeah, to me. And they came with us like the night before. And we yeah. went out to dinner and just trying to kind of just keep things light, positive, normal, positive, yeah. normal. And just basically just kind of trying to just put their arms around us in a way that we didn't feel alone. Mm-hmm. And that that made a big, big difference. Because I remember that that morning when she got ready to go into surgery, you know, you have to get there at, I think we were there at like... Oh, it was early. Early, like 6 o'clock, and yeah. the surgery was, it was supposed to be at 7, or maybe it was 5, I don't know, it was it very was early. early. Laura probably remembers, she probably wrote in her journal. <laughs> and we know she still has and it. And we know she still has it somewhere. <laughs> she could probably go and pull hers out right now. Um, but I remember them, the nurses were just like, you know, because everybody, we dealt a lot with the pity. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, oh, why does this have to happen to her? Mm-hmm. Which I will say, that was something I never asked. Like, I never asked myself, why me? And, like, at this age, I'm like, why didn't I ask myself that? Because, yeah. like, it's kind of crazy. But, like, I was honestly just, like, along for the ride. And I really just had this, like, the most amount of peace that, like, I feel like you probably could. Like, I was honestly chilling. Like, she really was. Other than, like, the... <laughs> other than the brain tumor, she was totally no. chill. Chill vibes only. But other than, like, <laughs> you joke after about that, the spinal like tap, that yeah. was really the only time that I can look back and think, ah, that was probably anxiety. Like, I really was just vibing. I was truly And just, I mean, really, what else... Like you said, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. You know, what else could you do? Yeah. You, all you could do was try to, you know, keep yourself calm right. and... Yeah. Prepare yourself. But I don't even think she even thought that far. Like, I think she was just like, okay, you know, this is, okay, we're going to do this. But I remember that, like, all the the people just saying, you know, why why Morgan? Why does this have to happen to Morgan? And my comment was, why not Morgan? Mm -hmm. Like, why not her to show other people how to handle this? Because she's handling it like a champ. Mm -hmm. The nurses could not get over when they rolled her into, you know, we got to go in there (laughs) to say goodbye, you know, not not goodbye, like yeah. forever, but before the last surgery, time we were going to yeah. see her before she, they put her under anesthesia and, um, the nurses were like, she's cracking us up. <laughs> she's just back here and she's just talking and she's laughing mm-hmm. and she just acts like it's just a big No big party. deal, just like, another day. Yeah. And they were, I think, consider, considerably worried that she did not understand the what was going to happen, mm-hmm. like what we're talking about here. And I was like, no, no, no. She knows what's going on. We have, we have prayed for peace. We have people pr- continuing to pray for that peace. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, that is one thing that I can honestly say that was a very tangible thing mm-hmm. during that time mm-hmm. for us, for me anyway, I can speak for myself only, yeah. but being in that waiting room and sitting there for what they told us was going to be nine hours, mm-hmm. which actually was only seven only (laughs) but it was not like it it was not something that I look back and think oh my gosh I was a nervous wreck Mm -hmm. like I wasn't I mean I would keep you know every time they would come and and we get hourly updates you know so this is what they're doing she's doing well doctor says things are going good you know so they would keep us continually updated and of course we had people in there that were having conversations with not about that not about what's going on what's going on out there, but what's actually like 
nothing, mm-hmm. you know, nothing comments. And then there would be thrown in to, you know, we, we definitely would stop every once in a while and we would just have prayer. And that just, I feel like was one thing that, that was the thing, mm-hmm. the one thing that got us through all mm-hmm. this because otherwise it, it, I don't know how people do it. So you guys all find out about this together. You, Keith, Morgan, mm-hmm. Who breaks the news to Michaela, and how does that go? Well, I was going to say something. So this probably came up, like, at the worst time possible because I had surgery two days before Michaela's 16th birthday. 16th birthday. So I felt like I ruined her birthday, number one. we we are a family. Way to go, Morgan. I know. We are a family (laughs) that do big birthdays. Like, birthdays are a big thing in our house. Yes. And I felt... Like I slighted her mm-hmm. because I wasn't able to do it big. Do it big, and I do remember that one thing. Bless his heart, Keith made sure that we had when she had surgery on the twenty sixth, and he went home because we were able to stay, you know, at the hospital at the little hotel next to the hospital, and go and be there as much as we wanted to be. And I remember he went home the night before McKay. Like that was on a. She had surgery on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. He went home like that Friday night. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm going to go home because I'm going to take Michaela to get her driver's license. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but you can't. It's Saturday. <laughs> you can't get her driver's license today. And he was like, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to see her on her birthday. Mm-hmm. And so, he, and she was at the point where at that, we had told her when, when we would learn things and we shared mm-hmm. them with her, we let, let her, her know. know. We did not mm-hmm. keep her out of the loop. But, but she was at school for, but she was like, the day that yeah. I had the surgery and everything. And yeah. yeah. I can't imagine. And so um, I do remember she was like, what's going on? I want to come up there. I want to come up there. And mm-hmm. I was like, but it's your birthday. She's like, but I want to be up there. Yeah, because I'm sure that she was not worried about turning 16 in the slightest. She was more worried for Morgan. She was, yeah, she was concerned about her sister. And so I remember Keith went down and brought her up there on her birthday mm-hmm. and we had like balloons and Aww. stuff like that and uh, you know we said happy birthday and you know I don't know if we sang to her I don't remember I was kind of she was not kind of well yeah, I was very was, like stoic and yeah. just still trying to recover so yeah I the pictures are a little rough from her birthday it was uh, but it was it was hard and it was I still look back on that and think you know if there was one thing I mean aside from the tumor mm-hmm. which if there's one thing I could change about it, it would be the timing of it. Yeah. In that it wouldn't have landed the when way it did. It did. When yeah. it did. Because that was, I know that was hard on her. And I feel like, like you said, that's always been, not that she did it on purpose or there's anything that we could have done. And she is thankful that her sister is okay. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it forced her to grow up fast. Well, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like not only did she at that point that she talked about a while ago, quit being a, a normal teenager. Michaela also yeah, she had to answer for me when I wasn't at school oh, and yeah. from teachers yeah. and people that and were like worried. you said, people blowing up your phone. She is going to school. Yeah. You have to imagine, you know, yeah. all the people that are asking her. And for people who don't know, I mean, living in a small town. Oh, it got around so quick. Yeah, I mean, and not always accurately. Well, yeah, yeah exactly that too. And so. I'm sure it was consuming most of her thoughts anyway, but then to be around it all the time, people asking her, you know, all And just these. also not asking how she's doing with it all. Like, yeah. more concerned about me, which I get because I was obviously going through brain tumor, sure. like our brain surgery, but like not asking, oh, are you doing okay? How are you processing all of this? Right. Or have you process- right. processed all of this? That kind of thing. And she, she did have a couple of really good friends that I know that did kind of step up and, you know, Look, for, help look out her for her and help that. her through that. But I think it was just a lot. It was overwhelming. Absolutely. Overwhelming. And, you know, I still think that, you know, that forced her to, because then not only from that, just that surgery, but then the journey after that. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just like, it was like, oh, the surgery's done and it's okay. Oh, life's we're back good. to normal. Life's, we're back to normal. Now. Honestly, yeah. I would say over and over again that the surgery was by far the easiest part of all of this. Mm-hmm. I had the most support that I w- like that I had through the whole thing right before surgery. Um, I 
I felt like I recovered really well. I was taking Tylenol yeah, when I went home. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, like, how was the recovery? Like, how long of a process is it? I mean, washing my hair was a big ordeal. Yeah. So we went to um, our hairstylist, um, Stacy Reister, shout out. Um, <laughs> and she would like wash my hair for me once Aww. a week because we couldn't like get it wet and it was mm-hmm. still like all icky and everything. Um, so that part was kind of a mess. Um, but I was, I think I took Tylenol after church one day because of like the noise and like I had pressure headaches, Mm -hmm. but mind you, before any of this happened, I had never had a headache in my life. I had a brain tumor the size of a quarter living in my brain and I had never had a headache. Like it was crazy. And people will self-diagnose themselves online. Like, Oh, I've had a lot of headaches. I wonder if it's and no, you had one and didn't have any headaches. Right. None. But I mean, come on at 12, what do you have to have a headache about? I'm 13. 13, sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I started that off early. (laughs) Um, That's okay. But I feel like I recovered super well, Mm -hmm. and I kind of was more, like, they had spoken to us about, like, oh, well, there might have to be chemo. We'll just have to see once we get in and everything. And so it was the size of the quarter. They removed 30% of it. Um, But being where it was at, they were like, we're going to have to do chemo. Mm. And like, I think that was probably harder for me because I kind of assumed that like it was over and like that was like a possibility, but like that wasn't a guarantee. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when they were like, yeah, so in a month you're going to start chemotherapy. And I was like, what? And then her big thing was not, am I going to gain weight? Am I going to lose my hair? Yeah. Yeah. Which did you lose your hair? I lost significantly amounts of my hair. Like I still had hair on my head, but you could like see my ears. Like if my hair was just down, like she just looked very thin. thin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But she never lost all of it. It didn't come out like in big clumps in the Uh shower, like some people experience. But her chemo was, it was a pellet. It was like, not it was an oral, like like oral medication. Multiple, multiple pills you know sequence and times and things so it wasn't like the we they didn't hook her up to an iv and have right. that well, stuff they did it at some points but most of it was the oral medication i mean for the whole yeah the whole duration yeah. of it so we were actually able to do the chemotherapy basically at home which and is great though. we would have to go back up and then they would do it they did a port and they put a portacath in her chest, and then that one particular kind that she would get. It was like one time around, I think. Like, yeah. And I had so eight often. rounds of chemo. And um, then they would just put in there, and then we would go back home, and then we would wait a couple weeks, and then she would Do start right. again. Mm-hmm. We so, so a lot of the side effects that a lot of people, you know, that have like the traditional, if there is a traditional chemo, yeah. typical, I think, is what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she didn't have a lot of that. She had some nausea. Actually, they had to lower my dose. I don't know if you remember that, but I, they had to lower my dose because it was actually seeping into my bone marrow. And so the first time I'd actually gotten sick and felt really, really bad, but then they lessened it. So then really after that, I, I was nauseous, but I never actually got sick until the very end. Um, so that was good because I, anybody that knows me knows that I have a vomiting phobia Oh yes, and it's so bad. Mm So I was I didn't obviously like to be nauseous, but I would rather be nauseous than throwing up. So right. that was not, not a fun thing. So I was happy when they kind of decreased it a little bit and it was a little bit less intense. So, and there were times when they would do, we would go in to have blood work done and her numbers would have to be a certain level. And then they would say, well, she doesn't need to start it this week. We need to wait, wait okay. a week, check her blood levels again. And then so there were some times when it yeah. got pushed back a couple of times. Couldn't go to church a couple of times or had to wear a mask. We were wearing masks. She was wearing masks before it was cool. Oh, masks yeah. before it was cool. Way to go. Trend setting. Oh, Everybody oh. gave me all the looks. <laughs> but let me tell you what. I even got creative and we even had sayings on it. <laughs> like I even remember drawing a mustache. Mustache, yeah. A mustache, you not. You guys <laughs> really were doing it before it we was were. ever a thing. We were. And I, yeah, it was. I love that. I love that. So recovery time for the surgery pretty much ended up being just like a segue into chemo. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you said you did eight rounds of chemo. How Mm -hmm. long? It was right at a year. It was right at a year. So then your tumor was completely gone? So there's still scar tissue. Like even now, if you go to an MRI, it's completely gone. Like, or the, whoa. If you go into if you go into an MRI right now, there's still scar tissue. Um, so that will always be there because mm-hmm. of where they went in and did the surgery. Um, they were hoping to just like to stabilize it and not really to shrink it. Um, if they could, that would be best case scenario. 
Um, but most, their most important thing was to stabilize the tumor, mm -hmm. um, so that it would continue, like would not continue to grow. Um, so but they did get a substantial, I mean, I think the, the most 30%, 30% yeah. of it though was like the meat, the middle. Part. Yeah. So like they were dealing with like trying to shrink the, the edges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so usually whenever you see, um, tumors being shrunk it's like six months in usually well at six months mine hadn't really shrunk mine was actually six months after chemo mm -hmm. and we kind of just attribute that to all the prayer and they're like that's not really how that works usually and so it wasn't really shrinking while we were doing the chemo it kind of shrunk after and mm -hmm. so that was really a cool thing because we knew a lot of people were praying and so we just kind of think that that's probably what that amounted right. to um and so now it looks like scar tissue um mm -hmm. and so it's pretty much gone, I guess you could say. Um, oh, she's gone back every year for the last, it'll be 11, I guess it's 11 years. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's yeah. still, it's still, there's no change. That's, that's their standard answer. The now. best. Like, yeah. yeah. No hear. change. No yeah. change. So that means it's not gotten any bigger. It's not gotten any littler, but it's not, it's not, it's not gotten any bigger. Yeah. So, so have you had, or are they, did they tell you about any lifelong side effects or things that you needed to be careful about or et cetera, et cetera. Moving on from this, really what I'm asking is, I know you weren't a normal teenager after right. this. What was life like after? I would say the year after was really, really hard because I was no longer on the medicine. So the year after chemo, um, I was no longer on the medicine and I was starting to look more normal again. My hair was growing back. Um, I wanted to play sports. You know, I was always pr pretty athletic, um, but my body like was just not keeping up, mm -hmm. um, which I didn't add earlier, but I had four mini strokes during that time. Mm -hmm. So it, there was a lot of just trauma to my body. Um, and so I think like the year after really was probably super hard for me because I was trying to keep up, but like, I just couldn't keep up. And so everyone at school knew like, Oh, chemo's done. She's normal again. And she looked, but I wasn't, she looked normal because one thing we didn't mention was her scar goes from her earlobe mm -hmm. to all the way up to the top of her head. Mm -hmm. And our, the nurses that we had, I told you they were amazing. Mm -hmm. But the nurses for the surgical team made parted her hair so that part of her hair was in a little ponytail, like hanging down in front of her face during mm -hmm. surgery. So when they cut her head open and then basically, I guess, peeled her skin Whoa. back, you know, Yikes. <laughs> it kind of freaks me out when yeah. I think about it, but that's, uh, that's what, what happened. Do. That's yeah. what they do. Mm -hmm. um, when they actually sewed her back together, staples and then all that, that hair was once her hair started growing back like it now has grown to where it's not like that's the first thing that you see yeah you can see it if it's in you a can, bun but if it's down she goes swimming yeah so then I think when she went back to school like and after that year of after the year of chemo and everybody knew it was over because we had a no mo chemo party because we were <laughs> yeah. really happy that it was <laughs> over and then it was like well she's normal now like mm -hmm. every I'd say everybody, a lot of people just, and it was like, she looks fine to me. Right. Must not have been that bad. Quick to, well, I would quick say, to forget. I would say there's people like that, through. but then there's also people that still come up to me that I had as like teachers and they're like, how are you? How yeah. is it? You're so it's like polar opposites, polar whether opposite. it was like they were super concerned and have still been 12 years, what did I say? You said 11. 11. I we don't know it when, when it was. <laughs> 11, 12. Disassociation, okay, I guess. <laughs> um, but they'll check in with me even now, but then there also were the people that were like, oh, yeah, Well, that's fine. over now. Yeah. Well, she didn't have real chemo because, you know, it wasn't that bad. Downplaying yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it was, and I'm just going to say it, there was a lot of people out there that did not, care for the amount of attention that she was getting well even yeah. though it was not the kind of attention she would ever have sought after yeah. before, obviously ever. obviously and really it was the loneliest time in my life like I it from the outside people probably thought that I was getting a lot of attention but I had never felt lonelier like right nobody was there to understand what I was going through and like it was not something I wanted to burden my parents with because they had it was probably harder on their right. end than They're it was going for me too yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I was the one going through it. So I didn't have to watch it happen. Like they had to watch me happen and, and not be able to do anything about and it. be helpless. Yeah. And so I felt like I really kept a lot in. And so for people, yeah, even now still people make comments about, 
um, how much attention I got. And it's like, okay, but yeah, you have no idea. Yeah, (laughs) but really, that's all you can draw from the situation? That's a little strange. Haters going to hate. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, So moving on to now and where you are today, obviously you've had a lot of major accomplishments, and I want you to kind of talk about where you are today and, you know, all your credentials and everything. So I am a MSW, which is a Master of Social Work. Um, So I am now considered a therapist as of like a month ago. Um, I work in the mental health field and I absolutely love it. Um, So yeah, that's... Tell them why you decided to do that. Because that kind of transpired in the midst of all this too. Yeah. Um, I had an amazing social worker during this time who, I mean, I really didn't know what she did at the time because that was just not really my focus. It was not finding my career Mm -hmm. um, going through all this. Um, But she was awesome. And looking back, she was probably my first experience with social workers. Um, She was amazing, always trying to help, always trying to find things that we could, you know, use and and adapt with and just all that. So she was amazing. Um, And then later, I feel like, I really kind of started to understand all of the trauma and it really, I guess, started affecting my body. So like about trauma, like you store it. And so like, I don't think that I always processed it. Like a lot of people were like, oh, why don't you go to therapy during that time? And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And so I think that it really started showing itself more when I was like 18 and 19 and had all these like big life changes and didn't know really what I wanted to do because at one point I didn't know if I was going to make it. So I hadn't really considered everything. Um, and so I actually saw a social worker and that was, I was super depressed and just had a lot going on and, and she was amazing. She's honestly still the one I see now. Mm -hmm. And she is the reason that I am a social worker and I do therapy and I could just never give her more credit. Like she just deserves it all because she, completely changed it like just everything um I remember one day we were in there and I was just processing a lot and she looked at me and she's like I really think you'd be a really good therapist you should really kind of consider that and it was probably like a month later and I ended up changing my major because like what I, were you gonna do before my dad was like do business <laughs> do business and I was like okay I mean I don't have anything else going for me right now like right. I'll just go do business stuff I love numbers And so then I thought dietitian because of all the eating disorder stuff and just how I was, I've always loved health stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was going between dietitian and business. And then whenever I started going to therapy, I was like, I think this is where I need to be. Mm -hmm. And so then I changed it to psychology. And then she was like, (laughs) it might be better if you do social work. It's kind of an easier route. And I think that's more what you want like after talking to me and and I was like yeah and so then I got into the social work program and then I graduated with my bachelor's and then I went back for my master's and I've been working in the field for almost two years now um which is a wild ride in itself Mm -hmm. um but I love it and I think that it was definitely what I was made to do what is your position now you just got a new job so I haven't started yet. I okay. actually start in August, okay. but it's spoiler still, alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually still therapy. So yeah. um, it's just at a different company. So, okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited, and I just love working with people that don't really know why they're feeling what they're feeling, and I can just relate to that because I think a lot of times we want to be like, oh, well, somebody has it worse, and and that's true a lot of times, but we don't give ourselves like the credit that we deserve to to feel down or to, to, to feel those things that we're feeling. And so I just love being that support person that I had when I needed it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very, very depressed. And so she really got me through the darkest time of my life. And it's just, it's taken years. Obviously she's been my therapist since I was 18 and mm-hmm. I'm 25 now. So, mm-hmm. um, she probably has her own <laughs> set of stories about me, but, <laughs> um, we're going to bring her in next. <laughs> She's from Carmi, so oh, I... Oh, is she really? Yes. Okay, who is it? It's Sarah Spicer. Shout out, Sarah okay, Spicer. Yeah, yeah, I know her. I do She's know her. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so I had one more question, and yes. this is a toss-up for both of you okay. guys, so whoever okay. wants to go first. Um, what do you think is your biggest takeaway from going through something like this, and then what would be your advice for someone going through something similar? I can answer the first question. Okay, go ahead. My biggest takeaway is... I look at life just differently and just, I don't really take things for granted. I don't take people, well, I don't take people for granted. Um, I, well, I try not to, I should say. Um, 
I just really try to live in the moment and just be happy with where I'm at. And sometimes that's not, sometimes I always want to be in the next phase, you know, of life. And, but I feel like I have truly, it slowed me down. It really made me see what was, what mattered in life. And it wasn't, oh, do you have a new boy? Like it wasn't all that stuff, like as a teenager. And I didn't get to really experience that. And I think it, for me, it was just like the impact that I am going to hopefully make on people and the kindness I'm going to show them and to be there for them when they're going through things that maybe they're not able to talk about yet. Mm -hmm. So I would say that would be mine is just really being able to live in the moment and, and understanding what life is really about. Oh no. <laughs> Lori <laughs> is starting to cry and it's going to make me cry. <laughs> I told you I didn't know if I could do this or not. <laughs> We've made it all this way, Lori. And look, you're doing it to me too. So you're not going to be sorry. alone. No. Um, my biggest, I don't even know how you word the question. So I'm just going to. That's okay. Go ahead. What I Whatever you want. Um, first and foremost, I believe it's a gift from God that she's even here. Mm-hmm. And I thank him every day that she's here. For me, the takeaway would be don't take anything, any moment for granted. I remember um, when after she had the surgery, as a parent, you somewhat, you know, visualize 20 years down the road or whatever, you know, you see your daughter like picking out her wedding dress mm-hmm. and things like that. And I remember there was one point that I I didn't see that. You couldn't. I couldn't. I yeah. couldn't look past right now. Well, like, yeah. And for a part of me, that was really hard because I wanted to see, I wanted to see that to know that she's going to be okay. Even though I knew in my heart of hearts and I knew deep down in my soul and my core that she was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how she was going to use this, but I knew. And I think I remember telling her at one point that I, I felt like she was going to be on a platform sharing her story. At Mm -hmm. that point, I thought it was like sharing her testimony at church camp. (laughs) Little did I know she was going to be sharing her story with the world. But I remember when she went to her senior prom and I went and picked out, we went and looked wedding, wedding dress. No, 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 no. We've not done that yet. I'll probably cry then too. Still to come for Morgan. More tears. But when we went to look for her prom dress and it was your junior year it was my junior year junior year her first prom and this dress that she put on and it was like I remember literally sitting in the floor at the dress place people all over the place drying on dresses and things and I sat there and cried she really did oh I would have and she kept saying mom I was like it's okay you're embarrassing me and I was like like, it's it's just prom it's just prom but it was like I attribute it to what moms go through when they see their daughter getting you know, portraying on a wedding dress. It's like that welling up of emotions of, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, my baby girl is a woman and she's, you know, going to live her life. And it, for me, it was almost like, this is the first normal thing that I've yeah. felt yeah. and I've seen her do in so long. And she looked absolutely beautiful. I still, to this day, love that dress. Mm-hmm. We still have that dress. I also <laughs> feel like that's when I started to look more normal and feel more normal too. So I feel like that was probably a all, big turning yeah, point. It was it just was like, a big turning was point. Like, yeah, and was, witnessing a moment that maybe in your mind once you thought, am I going to have this right, right. or not? And that, I think that's, that's what got me that day mm-hmm. was not so much that, oh my gosh, she's going to prom. It was like, oh my gosh, we're here. We've made it this far. Mm-hmm. And like the because, I mean, she didn't, her freshman, sophomore year, those were rough. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was like, wow, we made it. And so then I think that just helped me to, like, kind of hold on to everything. Like, when she calls me all the time and asks me ridiculous <laughs> questions, I sometimes, like, oh, what now? But I love Stop it. Stop calling me. Yeah. <laughs> but I But I don't ever want to take that for granted and I think that is what I would take away from it like Mm -hmm. just whatever whatever you're given whatever time you're given just cherish it and like she said you know a lot of things don't matter anymore like yeah it really really puts things into perspective Mm -hmm. and that was a that was a game changer and I think my perspective was pretty good before going into that but that was it took it to a whole nother level so something else I know I know I something else I feel like that I really took from it too which was a couple years down the road was 
really taking control of my health. And um, like we were talking before, but um, I just have really tried to to look for clean stuff. And, and knowing that all of those um, medicines were aided in me being healthy and who I am today, but just knowing that like I have to treat my body kindly and take care of it. And so I feel like that has also been a big perspective. Like some people are like, oh my gosh, you do too much. Like mm-hmm. you're just going crazy about this. And it's like, no, I want my body to be as clean and just taken care of as possible because I didn't have that at one time and, mm-hmm. and I felt miserable for two whole years. And and so trying to kind of reverse some of the effects of the medications that I did have and, and just being able to really take my health under control yeah Mm -hmm. and just like making sure that I when I do feel weird and and taking care of it and talking to a doctor and getting blood work and just really making sure that and I I guess I coach my mom and other people in my life too I'm like Mm -hmm. take care of your health like oh the doctor didn't the doctor didn't say that well you need to go find (laughs) another one like so just really like taking taking my health for what it is and taking control of that too so That'd be another takeaway. So the second part of the question was, and this is hard for, I mean, I think it would be hard for me. What would be your advice for someone going through something similar to this right now? I really would say finding the people that will support you um, and really walk through with walk through this with you, because I was very lucky to have a lot of people that were very close with my parents and very close with me and did walk very closely with me through it. Um, and I feel like it's different if it's, if you're a teenager, because I feel like I would say, well, I don't know how I would say this, but I would say, I understand that nobody can understand what you're going through and you've got to understand that they never will. Mm -hmm. Like the kids that like the kids that were my age just never understood it. And I think that was hard, but I think having the support and the people around us really probably was the biggest part and just praying and and finding the peace in whatever way that you can. Mm-hmm. I really think the peace is what got me through. It's still something I rely on in my life is just that peace that can only come from God. Like mm-hmm. I was just, I was washed over with peace time and time again. And I just kind of like mom said, like I just had this inkling that I was going to be okay. I didn't mm-hmm. know how, I didn't know in what capacity, but I knew that it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So just really just holding on to that hope and to that peace that you know, you're going to be okay. And from a a parental side of that, if there's someone out there that is going through something like this, I would encourage definitely to surround yourself with support. Um, and also go with your gut. Like if you, if you know that you don't get a good vibe with a doctor or Mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're being heard, then there's others move along move along <laughs> because we did have not any of that that were in the immediate care but as things would come up a little further down the road like we would have to go to a specialist for this or that or whatever and I remember there was a couple that I was like yeah, we're not going back there like we just I, didn't feel heard and seen and yeah. and I think that is goes back to just like taking being proactive about your health and if I could go back and undo a lot of the stuff that a lot of this stuff that I used and cleaning my house and <laughs> doing my laundry and all that stuff way back. I mean, I used to be in the mindset that, well, my mom used that and it just, I turned out all right. So <laughs> that's not necessarily the same case anymore. And, um, like just being cognizant of what, what you're putting into your body and what is around your body and, how, it, how those things affect your body. And but just the space around you and the people you surround yourself with yeah. and making sure that you have I a keep, lot of peace. I remember just I I'll, throughout this a lot, I remember just thinking, you know, a, a very wise man once said, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm-hmm. And that in that moment, I think we all, yeah. all, the whole entire family, really found out who our true friends were. Mm-hmm. And people that we really thought were just didn't have lasting power Mm -hmm. and then there were some that we never would have expected that they had the impact showed up at the right time Mm -hmm. and I and some of them you know may have just been there for a season and you know but that was what we needed at that time Mm -hmm. and again just kind of being present in the moment and just whatever we needed they were there and and that makes a big difference so just being aware of 
of who you have in your life and who you surround yourself with. You have something else? Go ahead, yes, Morgan. I'm going to pay you back off what I said about like if you're a teenager going through this. I think also something that I learned in my like time in therapy is not only understanding that they didn't understand, but understanding that they were doing the best that they could, just like I was doing the best that I could, mm-hmm. and that none of them probably meant to minimize anything that I was going through, but they had never been through anything and didn't know how to support. And like being a therapist, people tell me things sometimes and I'm like, I'm supposed to know what to say. And I really have no (laughs) idea what to say. And so looking back, like giving those people grace as well in that moment, because they were just teenagers themselves. They were worried about boys and that's okay. You're supposed Mm -hmm. to. And so like knowing that they were doing the best they could, even though it might've hurt me and it might've affected me, knowing that they were doing the best that they could with the knowledge and the information that they had too. Mm-hmm. Or so if they were just trying to keeping it in perspective, minimalize, like not trying to make her feel badly about mm-hmm. what was going on with her. So if we just don't talk about it, yeah. then we just treat you like you're normal. So we just act yeah. like not doing the pity or yes. not doing. Yes. Yeah. And I think that it's a balancing it's, act. It's for a sure. very fine line, you know, and I think as teenagers, you know, like she said, you don't know they it. don't know. No. They don't know that it's even a fine line, let alone when they cross it. No. And that's for where the parents come in because you also, as a parent, have to kind of be aware of who your children are mm-hmm. surrounding themselves with. And sometimes you have to draw the line in the sand and put your foot down and make waves when you don't really want to. Mm-hmm. And it's for their benefit. For sure. And they may not see it at the time, but down the road – you know, that's hopefully a mm-hmm. a light bulb. <laughs> well, it's crazy to me how many conversations the three of us have had and we've never talked about this. So A, I'm glad <laughs> that we did. Yeah. And then B, I'm glad that we recorded it so everyone else can hear it too. So I just thank you guys so much for coming on, talking about something difficult. Love you both so Love much. You. Thank you for having And us. this was really fun. It so was. Okay, we'll see you guys not next week, but the week after. Yeah.